All right, good evening, everybody. Naya Seder, Naya Mesechta, Rapta Mesechta Ziovamas. And we have a beautiful, beautiful Mesechta ahead of us. Some new ideas, some things that we are unfamiliar with and we need to familiarize our we need to familiarize ourselves with other things we are familiar with. Um, instead of going into information overload, we'll, we will, Bez Hashem, introduce the information as it uh, as it arises. Okay, so let's begin our Heilige Masechta with a short introduction. And the introduction is as follows. There's one mitzvah in the Torah which tells us that if a husband passes away childless, his wife falls as a Yavama to his paternal brothers. Any brothers from his father become Yavams to the Yavama. Now, what does it mean they are Yavams to the Yavama? There's something called a Zika. There's something called a bond that automatically exists when one brother passes away childless between the other brothers and his wife. This bond, there's a mitzvah, this bond is in place to allow for a mitzvah, in, which is the brothers are going to perpetuate the dead brother's marriage. Okay, They have a mitzvah to keep his name going in Kalal Yisrael. So there's again, there's a mitzvah when a brother dies childless, his brothers marry his wife. Now, there's another, we'll call it halacha slash mitzvah the Torah, which is you're not allowed to marry your brother's wife. It's usher. It's forbidden to marry your brother's wife. So how does this work? The answer is, it's only forbidden to marry your brother's wife when the, when he has children. But when he passed away without children, so then the arayas, the forbidden relationship between uh, between myself and my brother's wife, that transgression goes away. Okay. That's the first part of the introduction. The other part of the introduction is that the only thing, the only arias, the only forbidden relationship that is removed upon the death of a childless brother is the transgression of marrying my brother's wife. That transgression falls away, and now I have a mitzvah to marry her. But what if there are other transgressions that exist in my relationship with my brother's wife? And let me explain. What does that mean? So one case we're going to learn in our Mishnah is the Torah allows an uncle to marry a niece. An uncle is allowed to marry a niece. So let's go. Let's get into Reuven and Shimon. Reuven and Shimon are going to be the big troublemakers of our Masechta. Okay? So Reuven has a daughter. Her name is Rachel. Reuven's brother Shimon marries Rachel. Is that allowed? Yes. Shimon is permitted to marry Rachel. Shimon is the uncle. Rachel is the niece. Beautiful. However, Shimon dies. Uh-oh, childless. So now as far as the transgression of marrying your brother or sister, can Reuven marry Shimon's wife? Yeah. However, there's a problem because Shimon's wife is Reuven's daughter. So the transgression of marrying your daughter is still in place. Yibum doesn't remove that other transgression. So in the scenario where Reuven and Shimon are brothers, Reuven's daughter marries Shimon, and Shimon dies childless, Reuven cannot do Yibum, and it doesn't even start. Okay? So again, this is the second introduction. Anytime there's a separate transgression 
that exists in addition to the transgression of brother's wife, there will be no yibum or chalitza. Now, in addition to that, and this will be the last step of the introduction, okay? In addition to that, not only will the forbidden, uh, you know, the, the, the forbidden relationship uh, uh, remain in place, but we know that a man is permitted to have two wives biblically. So let's keep with our story. Shimon married his brother Reuben's daughter. Shimon also had a second wife called the Tzara. When you have co-wives, they're called Tzaras because they're Tzaras to each other and they're Tzaras to their husband. Okay? They're called Tzaras. So Shimon now dies childless. Reuben cannot marry one wife of Shimon, which is his own daughter. And therefore... There's no yibum on the tsaras either. We'll learn why later. But even the co-wife of the daughter of Reuven does not fall to Reuven as yibum. Okay? Not only when there's a forbidden relationship, not only is it the wife, but it's even the tsaras of the wife. Okay, that's enough information for now. And let us get into our Heliga Mishnah. Here we go. There are 15 women. That Paitrais sorry sayam, not only do they not fall in Khalitza or Yibum, but even their Tsaris do not fall with Khalitza or Yibum, the Tsaris Sarisayam, and the Tsaris of their Tsaris, the co wives of their co wives. So let's give an example of that. That's gonna come up again uh, at the end of the Mishnah. But let's tell the story of how you can be a co wife to a co wife. So Ruvain has a daughter, Rachel. Rachel marries Shimon. Shimon had a, another wife also. Okay. Shimon kicks the bucket without children. So both wives of Shimon are not going to fall to Reuven. Because one of the wives are Reuven's daughter. Therefore, none of the wives fall to him. Reuven's daughter doesn't fall to him, and her tzara doesn't fall to him. Now, let's say there's a third brother, Levi, there. Can Levi marry these two wives? Yes, he certainly can, as we're going to see. Because what's going to be the problem? Ruvain's daughter? Ruvain's daughter is not a problem to marry Levi because he's another uncle. Levi's permitted to marry Rachel, Ruvain's daughter, and therefore he's permitted to marry the Tsar of the, right? He's permitted to, to marry either one of them. Okay? Now let's say Ruvain, now let's say Levi does Yibum. On the tsara, the other wife of Shimon, not not his niece. Let's say Levi does yibum on the other wife of Shimon, and then Levi dies. Even the, even the, though the tsara is now falling back to Reuven as the yavama of Levi, she's still forbidden. And the same thing would hold true if she marries somebody else and she has her own tsara. All these things remain in place. She kind of like fills that gap of being the arayas. And not only does she not fall to Yibum, but any co-wives of hers as well, forever and ever and ever, as we'll see at the end, the Mishnah also will not fall as Yibum. So here we go. Let's restart. There's 15 women that are Arias. Not only do they not fall to Yibum, but their co-wives do not fall to Yibum, and the co-wives are their co-wives. Which means there's no Chalitza and there's no Yibum. What is Chalitza and Yibum? So Yibum would be the actual marriage of the uh, uh, of the wife of the husband who passed away without children 
That's if you choose to marry her. And chalitza is going to be if you choose to not marry her. Instead of giving her a get, which would take place to end a full-fledged marriage, by Yavama, you're going to do the process of chalitza, which we'll learn later on exactly how that process is done. And once the brothers do chalitza on the widow of their brother, that ends the zika, that ends the bond, that ends the relationship, and they can all move on in their lives. This keeps going on. So here are the 15 women that are forbidden in Yibam and also stop Yibam on their tsaris and tsaris tsaris. Bita, the daughter. That was the case that we discussed. Ruvain's daughter married Shimon. Shimon kicks the bucket without children. So Shimon's wife will not fall to Ruvain, her father. Ubaz Bitai and his daughter's daughter. Again, that's another rice. You're not allowed to uncover the nakedness of your granddaughter. So if, let's say, Shimon married Reuben's granddaughter through his daughter, his daughter's daughter, no good. Ubaz Benai. And his son's daughter. Let's say Shimon married Reuben's son's daughter. And Shimon dies. So, so, so uh, the wife, who's Shimon's granddaughter, will not, fall to, will not far, fall to her grandfather as a Yavama. Okay. Um, Bas Ishtai, the daughter of his wife, meaning, let's say, um, Reuven, uh, Reuven is now married to um, the mother of Shimon's wife. The mother of Shimon's wife. So you're not let to marry a mother and a daughter. You're not let to uncover the nakedness of a mother and daughter. So if Shimon dies childless and you're married to the mother, you can't take your wife's daughter. Ubas bina, or her or her son's daughter. Ubas bita. Uh, the, the transgression continues to that as well. Again, these are all just parts of Arias. And now she's falling. She's going to be forbidden to Ruvain. Memela, there's no evil. Chamaisai. What happens? Ruvain gets married. Shimon marries Reuven's mother-in-law. There's no problem with that. No problem whatsoever. Shimon marries the mother. Reuven marries the daughter. No problem. Two brothers. One marries a brother. Beautiful. Shimon dies childless. So now, um, his mother-in-law is falling to him in Yibam. Now let him uncover the nakedness of your mother-in-law. So again, no Yibam. The aim, Chamaisai, or your grandmother-in-law through your mother-in-law or your grandmother-in-law through your father-in-law. Okay? Also, Arias, forbidden. It's beautiful. What about if she is your, also a situation where she is your sister from your mother? Now, how does this make sense? How is it going to be a sister from your mother? So this is actually very logical. If you have a husband who comes into a marriage um, with a son already, and the wife comes into the marriage with a daughter, that son and daughter are allowed to marry each other. They're stepbrother and stepsister. There's no problem, right? They can marry each other. Beautiful. Now, the mother and father who are coming into the marriage, they have their own son. This third child, this son from the second marriage, is a half-brother to the boy and the girl. So now here's what happened. The, the stepbrother and stepsister get married. The stepbrother dies. The stepsister is now, according to Yibum, should fall to her half brother. But that you can't do that, obviously, right? You know that Atzarayas to be with your half sister, Mamela. 
she's not going to fall to him because they're half brothers. Okay. And his aunt, even though it's permitted for an uncle to marry a nephew, even though it's permitted for an uncle to marry a niece, a nephew is forbidden to marry an aunt. So let's say she's his mother's sister. No, if Shimon married her aunt, Nishgit, you're not going to fall to Yibam. The Achais Ishtai, or your wife's sister. There's two ways that somebody could be a sister-in-law. You could be a sister-in-law by being my brother's sister, by my brother's wife. Then you're my sister-in-law. You're also my sister-in-law if you are my wife's sister. So let's say two brothers marry two sisters. This is this is not a, a rare occurrence. Okay, you have a couple that gets married, and then the husband has a nice brother. The wife has a nice sister, and they set them up, and they also have a nice marriage now. They can get married also, no problem whatsoever. What happens if the second couple, just as an example, the second couple, the husband kicks the bucket without children. So now the wife, the widow, is going to fall to her sister's husband. You're not allowed to be married to two sisters. Not allowed to do that. So again, that'll stop the Yibam. The Eishas Achiv Me'imai. Or his brother, the Eishas Achiv, the wife of his brother, Me'imai, from his mother. Okay, so again, somebody comes into the marriage and um, um, someone gives the marriage and it's their second marriage. They come in, each come in with siblings and now you have a half-sibling. That half-sibling, there, there's no yibum because you're not allowed to marry. And also the wife of your brother that has not come into the world. What is this story? So this is very interesting as well. And that is, um, you know, my, my brother Shmuley, my oldest brother, he likes introducing me to people as his baby brother who walked him down the chuppah. Why does he say that? Because my mother was pregnant with me at his wedding. So I was inside my mother's belly when she walked down with him to the chuppah. Okay? I was, I didn't exist at the time of my brother's marriage. Okay? My mother was pregnant with me. So now here's an interesting halacha. The halacha is that um, if you have... Um, if you have a couple and the husband has a brother who was born much later. So the husband dies and then after the husband dies, let's say two years later, it doesn't make a difference how long later, two years later, um, the husband's mother has another boy. So that boy is forbidden to the brother who passed away's wife. She's considered his brother's wife, and she's usher. Now, what about Yibam? Let's say you have a brother who passes away, childless, and then a year later, he has a brother. His parents give birth to another child. Is there Yibam now? The answer is no. Okay, so interestingly, notice what just happened. When it comes to a brother, Shalohaya Ba'ulama, who is not in, who did not walk planet Earth at the same time as the older brother, it remains in existence the transgression of marrying your brother's wife, but it does not remain in existence the mitzvah of Yibam. Okay, we'll see later on in the Masechta why there's a difference in these halachas. Why the prohibition of marrying the, the sister-in-law remains, but the mitzvah of Yibam does not. The Kalasai or um, or his daughter-in-law. Okay, that's also a very straightforward scenario where um, somebody's uh, somebody's son passed away and then 
after the, your son passes away, your daughter-in-law marries your brother, her previous, you know, her, uh, her husband's, her previous husband's uncle. And then the brother, the previous husband's uncle dies childless. So now she's going to fall to the man who was previously her father-in-law. That's an Arias. That doesn't work. Okay. All these women are putter from Yibum. And not only are they putter, but also Paitres Sarei Sehem. Any co-wives that they had at the time of death, as we're going to see, also do not do Yibum. The Tzarei Sarei Sehem and the co-wives, co-wives from future marriages, Menachalitza, there's no Chalitza, there's no Yibum, Ad Sarei forever and ever and ever. Okay. The Kula Memesu says the Mishnah, in all these situations, Let's say he died, meaning the brother, um, the, uh, the the death happened to the, the the instead of the brother dying childless. Okay, if they died died first, meaning my brother was married to my daughter and the tsara, and then my daughter died. And then my brother died childless. I can still marry the tsara, because since my daughter was never there at the time of yibum, it's okay. So if the arayas passed away, the prohibited relationship was gone before the death of the childless brother. Or they did mion. Mion is a fascinating, another fascinating halacha, which is the Torah allows a father to marry off his daughter so that she'll be protected and she'll have a husband to take care of her as long as she's under bas mitzvah. Okay, she has to be under 12. If the father dies, then the Rabbanon said that the mother and brother are permitted to marry her off, but it's only mid Rabbanon. It is a rabbinic marriage. So let's say there was a girl who was married to my brother, who's, she's an Arias to me, and she could do mion. Aynes Garsha, or classic case, which is my brother married my daughter, and then they got divorced. And she, he has another wife. Aishinim Silenus. Or the Arias, even the forbidden relationship, uh, just keeping with the daughter as an example, turned out she was an Islandist, so the original marriage is null and void. Sorry, say a mutaris. So now the other wives who are not the Arias will fall with Yibam to me, so to speak. They will fall to Reuven in Yibum because the Arias was never really in place at the time of death. But you can't say this of a mother-in-law or a grandmother-in-law to the mother, grandmother-in-law to the father. It's just not possible because they wouldn't have had kids. And they can't do Mion, obviously, either because they're above age. Okay, fine. Very good. Um, the Mishnah here, why is he even saying it? The Mishnah here is just contrasting it to the previous cases. Okay, now the Gemara says, now the Mishnah says, I'm sorry. Ketzad, Paitre, sorry, saying, how, how does this work? What are the, how does it work that if one of the wives of my brother is forbidden to me, how does it work that even her co-wife is not going to fall to me and even what's the case? So we really already explained this. Let's read it inside. let's say it was Ruben's daughter, or Ruvain's mother-in-law, any other scenario that we mentioned. They were married to my brother. And my brother had an additional wife. 
my brother dies childless. The same way I came to Yibam on my daughter. So to the co-wife, has no Yibam. Okay, we already articulated this in our introduction. Beautiful. Okay, now, what happens in a scenario where you have Reuven, Shimon, and Levi? Reuven's daughter married Shimon. Shimon dies childless. So does Reuven's wife fall, does Shimon's wife fall to Reuven? No, because Reuven's her father. However, she could fall to Levi because she's allowed to marry brother number three. Brother number three is not her father. He's her uncle. He's permitted to marry her. So let's say Reuven's daughter, she didn't fall to him in Yibam, but she falls to Levi with Yibam. And Levi had another wife as well. Umes. And Levi now dies so that the uh, Levi, instead of marrying his niece, he actually chose to marry the co-wife of his niece, who also wouldn't fall to Reuven. But now Levi dies, okay? So Levi had two wives, let's say. He had the co-wife of Shimon, who Reuven is still forbidden to, and he had a second wife. So says the Mishnah, fascinating. Kishem Shetzoras Bita since one of Levi's wives was originally a tzara to Reuven's daughter, and therefore cannot fall to Reuven for Yibam, so too the co-wife of her co-wife is also not going to fall to Reuven, and there will be no Yibam afilu hein meya. And this goes on even um, if uh, if this happens a hundred times. But uh, one wife was an Arias and doesn't fall to Yibam, her tzara, her co-wife, is also not going to fall to Yibam. Beautiful. Okay. Says the Mishnah. Again, this is just an explanation. How do you find a scenario where if one of the co-wives passes away, it's going to be mutter for, for the brother to do Yibam? If the guy's daughter, okay, Reuven's daughter, or any one of the Arias was married to his brother, and his brother had a second wife, a tzara, and this guy's got, daughter died or got divorced. And then his brother died. So then you could do Yibam. Because again, like we said previously, what was the logic at the time that the Yibam came into play? There was no Arias. I, he was original, my brother was originally married to my daughter, but they got divorced. And then he died. So since that time that he died, he only had he was only married to a woman who could fall to me in Yibam. There's going to be Yibam. And says the Gemara, to, to, uh, says the Mishnah, to wrap this up, any time you have one of the Arias who was young enough under Bas Mitzvah to refuse the marriage, to walk away from the marriage, make it as null and void, we're going to say do Chalitza and not Yibam. Why? What's the logic over here? This is interesting. Again, this girl who could do Mion because she's under 12 is only rabbinically married. She's only married to Midrabanan. Because Midrabanan, only a father is allowed to marry off a girl under the age of Asmin. So she only has a rabbinic marriage. So let's say Ruvain has a daughter, um, you know, uh, uh, has a daughter, or that's not going to work out well actually for a case. You have a, you have a man, take Ruvain in for a moment, who has a daughter and the guy passes away. 
Okay. Um, she's now young enough where her mother and brother can marry her off for rabbinic. And Yibum, however, is, we know, a Deoraisa Dikadim. So this girl, let's say 11 years old, is married to somebody. The guy who she's married to has an adult wife as well. And then he dies childless. So he's leaving behind a girl who could be Mema'in on the marriage and another wife. This girl is an Arias to another brother. So what do you do? What do you mean, what do you do? What's the problem? It's an Arias. So maybe she shouldn't have Altibam. No. Maybe she does fault even because her whole marriage was rabbinic, not biblical. So because of this doubt and because of this scenario, you know what the Mishnah says? Just do chalitza. Do chalitza. You can't do yibam because the Mai said there was an Arias Dika marriage over here. There was a forbidden relationship marriage. But granted, it was only Midr abundance. So you know what we say? Don't do chalitza. Don't do yibam, but you got to still do chalitza. Something did exist. You can't just walk away from this and say, oh, it wasn't a biblical marriage. Okay, Period. End of that Mishnah. Beautiful. And this Mishnah is going to, you know, that was a lot, a lot of information. As we go through the parak, you know, we'll be able to spend a lot of time clarifying each one of these scenarios. But for the time being, the Gemara is just going to get into a basic Gemara type of question, which is, we gave a list of 15 different scenarios where somebody could be forbidden, a forbidden arias, a forbidden relationship. Now, the main forbidden relationship is learnt out from my wife's sister, okay? My sister-in-law and the other relationships, uh, you know, and, and their punishments stem from that. So the Gemara wants to know why we're starting with the case of an Arias of a daughter. Why are you starting with the case of Arias of a daughter? Start with a different case. Classic Gemara type of question. It says the Gemara, Mechdi, let's see. Kulu isha yafinan. All of these Arias, all these forbidden situations that we spoke about are learnt out from the Arias of I'm not allowed to sleep with my wife's sister. You're not allowed to marry your wife's sister. So listen to the ratio. Why don't we give that case first? It's the most, the most explicit one. List the first in the Mishnah. Why are you listing a daughter? The chit tema. And if you're going to say, I'll tell you why you list daughter first. Tana chumra, chumra nakat. Because you want to talk about the ones that are the, that are the most machmir. Have the most severe punishments. Reb Shimini, Damar Seba And we're going in the opinion of Rebbe Shimon who says, that the most machmir of all the four types of, of capital punishment in this world is burning, and that comes, you know, and, and the, the burning punishment comes with a daughter. So I want to mention it first, you know, you pull you full force, full throttle, pitoy, daughter, arayis, mama, shreifa, you want to come out with your guns blazing. Iachi, listen to Why are you mentioning the daughter? You should listen to your mother first. You know why? Because the whole punishment of burning is actually learned out from a mother-in-law. So why would, again, why are you starting with a daughter? You're going to tell me because it's got the most severe punishment, which is Shreifa. And it's your Shimon. <laughs> my mother-in-law also is Shreifa, and it's explicit. So mention that first. Okay? It's a good point. Says the Gemara. Okay. Obviously, that's not the deal. But item furthermore, well, if you're dealing with the more severe, you should have started with your mother. And at their mother, don't even mention daughter. You should move on to your daughter-in-law, the Basar Shreifa, Skila Chamura. Because after Shreifa, Skila is the most machmir. Okay, according to Rabbi Shimon. Ella says the Gemara, rather, 
we need to come up. That that can't be the reason why. It can it must be it has nothing to do with the severity of the punishment as to why we're listening at first. So why taka are we listening? Bitai first. Ela bitai kivam da asyami drasha chavivalei. Beautiful, beautiful Gemara says the Gemara. The halacha of a daughter, all types of daughters, and their punishment is learned out from a drasha, and it's beloved to a person. Our Tana, it was a beloved drasha. When a person makes their place entirely, they come up with a gishmaka halacha, a gishmaka drasha, an amazdika thing. You want to share it with others. So since it was the biggest chiddush, memela, therefore, we want to, the Tana wants to mention it first. He's got to get it out. He's got to share. The, he's got to share his tire. Says the Gemara, one second. The daughter's the drasha. Sprek the Gemara. I don't understand something. We now turn to the top of tomorrow's daft. All of them are learnt out from a drasha that there's no yibum. It's not only the daughter, so I, uh, that the daughter's most beloved. <laughs> they should all be beloved. Again, you're not giving me a reason why, of, uh, why of, for the particular order. To which the Gemara responds, and we'll hold it here for today for the final answer. He granted, granted that as far as the Allah has a yibum, it's learnt out from a drasha and it's beloved. However, listen to this. The prohibition is listed specifically in the dirt. Bitai, however, by the daughter, the Iker Isura Midrasha, the transgression of Arias of a daughter is also a Drasha. So it's it's kind of you know, here we're dealing with a with uh explain over here in Rashi and others, they they explain that we're dealing with a daughter that came outside of a marriage. We need a special Drasha to teach me. We have Xerishab of Haina Haina telling me that a daughter out of wedlock is Asr. And also Zima, the punishment of burning is also learned out. So the Gemara is answering like this. You know what? You're right. There's many, many halachas. Basically all of the Arayas listed in the Mishnah are learned that from a drasha as well. But the daughter drasha, that is that took the, the most skill to pull that drasha together. You had to learn out the prohibition along with the consequence. Everywhere else, you just had to learn out the consequence. And their status in Yivam. But Mela, it was less of a Kiddush. We always want to jump, jump right into daughter. Why are we saying Bitoi? Why are we saying that first? It needed the largest drasha, the most extensive drasha, and therefore it was the most beloved to the Tana. And Mela, he wanted to get it out first. He wanted to mention the Bitoi first. Beautiful. Okay. Kavaldik Mazeltov, we'll hold it here for today. And uh, Mazeltov on the starting our uh, brand new Mesech Yabamas. As well as Seder Nashim, Besham, tomorrow we will pick up from Hashta as we continue to go through and clarify the holy words of our Mishnah on that phase. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, everybody.